You're listening to ReachMD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. Here's your host, Dr. Stephen Edelman, founder and director of Taking Control of Your Diabetes, clinical professor of medicine, Division of Endocrinology and Metabolism, University of California, San Diego, and San Diego Veterans Administration Healthcare System. What benefit does a multidisciplinary approach to sexual medicine issues bring to people living with diabetes? Joining us to discuss sexual medicine in diabetes is Director of Sexual Medicine at Alvarado Hospital in San Diego, California, Dr. Erwin Goldstein. Dr. Goldstein, welcome to ReachMD. Hi, Steve. How are you? Let's start off, Erwin, with why do patients living with diabetes need a multidisciplinary approach uh, to treat their issues? Sexual issues uh, carry both biologic and psychologic and relationship overtones. Uh, um, you can't get away from it. Uh, a relationship and uh, your mood and your behaviors are really important. But obviously, you need to have nerves, you need to have a brain, you need to have hormones, you need to have blood flow to make uh, the genital tissues do their physiologic thing. So it's a marriage of biology and psychology and a, a, a good evaluation, uh, like a sexual medicine evaluation should involve a, uh, a board-certified uh, sex therapist uh, doing an evaluation and a uh, sexual medicine physician focusing in on a history, a physical examination, a series of blood tests engaging hormones, tests of hormone integrity, uh, tests of uh, neurologic integrity, and tests of vascular integrity. Uh, and then it becomes uh, 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 an experience where the sexual problem can be brought into a uh, um, an educational platform as to what's wrong and then strategies developed to address them. Well, let's go into some definitions. Uh, how would you define female sexual dysfunction? So the woman needs to make a declaration that there's some persistent or consistent change in her sexual functioning in terms of her sexual interest, uh, her ability to arouse, lubricate, uh, engorge, her ability to have uh, an orgasmic uh, response, either multiple or uh, of great intensity, and to have uh, sexual activity with freedom from pain or discomfort. So uh, it's uh, shown that 43% of women on multiple different epidemiologic studies will at some point say that in, the, in a calendar year of 12 months, they will have experienced uh, uh, a sexual problem, either an interest, uh, arousal, uh, orgasmic response, or sexual pain. When it comes down to having associated distress in conjunction with the sexual dysfunction, uh, the distress sort of increases and peaks to around age 40 to 50 years of age. And then as older women in menopause have uh, more often sexual problems, they actually have less often sexual distress from these problems. As practitioners, as doctors who are interested in taking care of men and, and women with sexual problems, uh, you have to have both the complaint and the uh, association distress from the problem. How would you suggest our, that our listeners approach this issue? I mean, give them an idea of a one or two line or how you bring this up. Mary, I see you're here for your diabetes checkup. Mary, did you know that women who have diabetes have a higher chance to have sexual problems, say problems in interest or arousal or orgasm or pain? Mary, do you have any of these problems? That's what we've been taught with erectile dysfunction. First of all, say that it's normal and then bring it up. Well, t tell us, tell our listeners um, 
What are the most common causes of sexual dysfunction? I'm sure it, it depends on the on the age of the patient, but let's specifically talk about women with type 2 diabetes. What do you see the most common? Without any controversy or debate, epidemiologic studies would show that women with type 2 diabetes have as their primary issue uh, what we call HSDD, which used to be the term low interest. We're now calling it, like ED, we used to call it impotence. Uh, HSDD now replaces low interest. HSDD stands for hypoactive sexual desire disorder, and uh, it's women who... You know, uh, they were once interested in their partner. They once were interested in, in uh, sexuality with uh, themselves or with other partners as age went on, as uh, uh, children grew, as uh, mortgages had to be paid, as their parents became ill for whatever reasons. And in particular with diabetes, all the metabolic changes that happen with diabetes, they lose this interest. And then the problem is they face a partner who has very high libido, and they matched at one point with the libido, but now there's a disparate libido in the relationship. And then the women are now engaged in sex as duty or sex as a chore. Uh, they just sort of lie there, not, not engaged. Uh, some women will say to us, gee, the, the sort of pilot light's on, but it just never ignites, and it, it never goes into the state that I used to get into. And, uh, uh, you know, I don't even want him to touch me anymore because I'm not involved and. Anyways, HSDD is a big problem. Uh, the good news uh, is we're actually uh, in the process of having a, uh, an FDA-approved drug for HSDD, and that's a very exciting concept. What kind of drug is that? What class would it be in? So it's a novel drug. It's a non-hormonal drug. It's, it's currently uh, uh, to be indicated for premenopausal women, uh, and, and women with diabetes would be a perfect reason for it. It, it acts on the central nervous system to sort of rebalance the imbalance. Currently, we believe that HSDD is really, you know, in the way that depression is an imbalance, the way that probably Alzheimer's is an imbalance, clearly the way that Parkinson's is an imbalance in dopamine. Uh, we believe that HSDD is really uh, either uh, excess serotonin, which is a, 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 an inhibitor of sexual activity, or a, a lack of noradrenaline and oxytocin. Uh, uh, and dopamine, which are the traditional neurochemical facilitators. So the drug is called Flibanserine, F-L-I-B-A-N-S-C-R-I-N. The company is Beringer Ingelheim, and hopefully one day it will be allowed to by our government to be used for women premenopausal uh, with this uh, low-interest HSDD uh, situation. Hey, if you're just joining us, you're listening to Diabetes Discourse on ReachMD XM160, the channel for medical professionals. I am Dr. Stephen Edelman. I'm speaking with Dr. Erwin Goldstein. We are discussing sexual medicine in diabetes. Erwin, g- give us a brief summary of what's happened with uh, with the uh, the Viagra, Levitra, Cialis-type drugs and their research in women. Okay, so these are the classes called PD-5 inhibitors. Uh, uh, PD-5 inhibitors uh, are extremely successful in men. As they were developed in 1998, we were doing studies sort of two or three years prior to their release uh, in 1998 and 1997 in women, and we found them to be actually not that as successful as they were in men. Uh, so they never got approved or even further studied. The current uh, feeling is that PD-5s are highly successful in women, which would make them highly successful in both genders. But the, the bottom line is women have to have normal hormones, in particular testosterone, to make PD-5 inhibitors work. And the basis for that happens to be that the enzyme nitric oxide synthase 
is testosterone dependent. And of course, all the PD5 inhibitors utilize NO as their first message uh, to make the second message cyclic GMP. And you have to have an NOS enzyme. So women whose testosterones are normal actually respond quite well to PD5 inhibitors, and their response is not an interest, but it's in uh, arousal response, lubrication, pulsation, uh, engorgement, and also in orgasmic intensity. What about giving testosterone to women? Do you measure testosterone levels, and how often do you give it? So currently, uh, uh, testosterone has been uh, addressed by the FDA. Uh, there's a company, Procter & Gamble, that had a patch of testosterone called Intrinza, uh, and it was delivered to the FDA, sadly, around the time of WHI. They had done multiple placebo-controlled double-blind uh, trials in women. Uh, let's say almost 10,000 women were studied. Uh, and the efficacy was unchallenged. It clearly increases desire. It also increases arousal, orgasmic intensity, uh, um, satisfaction, uh, um, satisfying sexual events, uh, uh, less distress were all identified. But the FDA, in view of the WHI, was concerned over long-term use of testosterone in terms of breast cancer and heart attack and stroke risk. And so when trends have moved to Europe, Entrins is approved as a testosterone agent for women with uh, hypoactive sexual desire disorder in Europe. Uh, they're collecting safety data in Europe uh, as it's now approved. But there's a company in uh, the U.S., uh, uh, Biosante, which has a product called Libigel. We're one of the trial sites for Libigel. They now have three years, over 1,000 uh, women and they're studying specifically the, the long-term safety issues, and they're addressing heart attack, breast cancer issues, and they've just presented their unblinded data. They can't unblind it yet, but in their three years with 1,000 women with HSDD on their testosterone gel, one heart attack and one breast cancer has been reported, and they, they don't know if it's an active or placebo person, but the the risk surely seems to be going to be an acceptable item one day for the FDA. Let's just summarize what's going on in... Uh, male sexual dysfunction. You know, I think most most of the practitioners out there listening, you know, they, they if they do get a history, they prescribe a PD-5 inhibitor and that's it. Is there anything else new that we should know about? Boy, uh, very much so. I, I would strongly encourage a testosterone value, but not necessarily a total testosterone. Uh, what we measure is testosterone and what's called sex hormone binding globulin. And then there's a calculator on the web that uh, allows you to measure free, uh, free testosterone by calculation. But if the testosterone value is low, and in diabetes, more than 50% of, of men with diabetes, and, and likely women also, have low testosterone, replacing them with testosterone uh, is a hugely physiologic uh, uh, role for not specifically sexual medicine, although obviously sexual medicine items will be improved, but specifically for insulin sensitivity. Hemoglobin A1Cs fall when men have normal testosterone. In fact, hemoglobin A1Cs fall to normal with diet, exercise, and testosterone. So uh, um, I would very much be engaged in, in a focus on testosterone and diabetics. We're, of course, now in, engaging drug studies for premature ejaculation and men with HSDD, because there's a lot of diabetic men who have no interest, and they're in disparate relationships uh, with the women having higher libido. Tell us a little bit about your sexual medicine program and, and maybe how it relates to something that we're all familiar with, such as sleep medicine programs. We're like any multidisciplinary program where I'm equal to any endocrinologist or gynecologist or urologist. We're aligned in the hospital. Uh, we have sexual medicine rounds once a month. Uh, we have uh, uh, sex therapy meetings once a month. Uh, we have uh, Sex in Our City public lectures uh, every quarter. Uh, 
We have a psychologist that's in the house. We have a physical therapist that we work with. We, of course, uh, have surgical uh, opportunities for men, say, who need implants, women who have uh, sexual pain syndromes that require uh, surgical intervention. I mean, the thing about sexual medicine, it should be like HIV medicine, diabetic medicine, pain medicine, emergency room medicine, family practice medicine. It should be that there are physicians and healthcare professionals we're interested in men and women's sexual health problems and want to focus on it. I'd like to thank our guest, Director of Sexual Medicine at Alvarado Hospital in San Diego, California, Dr. Erwin Goldstein. Dr. Goldstein, thank you so much for spending time with us on Diabetes Discourse. Steve, it is so awesome that you give us this opportunity. Thank you for listening to Diabetes Discourse, sponsored by Novo Nordisk, a world leader in diabetes care. To learn more about diabetes and the role of GLP-1, visit novomedlink.com forward slash DIA. For more details on the interviews and conversations in this week's show, or to download the segment, visit us at reachmd.com. Daddy, what are you reading? I'm reading about something called GLP-1. Is it a robot? No. (laughs) GLP-1 is a natural hormone that helps regulate glucose metabolism. Its multiple actions are critical to glucose control. Huh? Okay. Well, GLP-1 works in a glucose-dependent manner. It stimulates the beta cells in your pancreas to secrete insulin and inhibit the liver from releasing excessive glucose by reducing glucagon secretion from alpha cells. It also helps regulate food ingestion by slowing gastric emptying in your stomach here (laughs) and making you feel full. Like at Thanksgiving? Yes. Um, I don't get it. Is it important? Well, GLP-1 is important because it impacts the multiple systems affected by diabetes. It also plays a significant role in protecting beta cells, a key to slowing diabetes progression. Unfortunately, many people with type 2 diabetes have impaired GLP-1 secretion and impaired beta cell response to GLP-1. Like Grandpa? Yes. And like many of my type 2 diabetes patients, That's why I want to make sure I'm looking at the whole picture in diabetes. Sustained control of A1C is important, but we can't stop there. It's important to look at weight, cardiovascular risk, and beta cell dysfunction. Impaired GLP-1 physiology is also a part of the problem, and the multiple actions of GLP-1 throughout the body are critical. So, the GLP-1 robot will help you see the whole picture. (laughs) Yes, I guess in a way it will. Novo Nordisk is a world leader in diabetes care and is dedicated to ongoing research. To learn more about GLP-1 and the role it plays in diabetes, please visit novomedlink.com/dia.